I would not go and just hit up my competitor and be like, hey, can I blog on your blog? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to be met with the most amount of warmth, right? <laughs> Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, what's up, listeners? This is show number 31 of the Traffic Jam podcast. I'm James Reynolds, your host and the companion in your earbuds for the next 30 minutes or so. And uh, you're going to enjoy it because I've got an incredible, incredible, that's double incredible guest lined up for you today. It's Mr. Neil Patel. Now, if you've not heard of Neil before, he can be best described as a serial internet entrepreneur. He's the co-founder of several software companies in the marketing space I'm sure you've heard of already. Companies like Crazy Egg, Kissmetrics, and more recently, HelloBar. Now, Neil's not just a software guy. He consults with many large corporations I know you'll have heard of already because they're massive companies. Companies like Amazon, NBC, GM, HP and Viacom. And Neil helps those guys with traffic and conversions and really helping them build a profitable audience online. Neil does what we talk about here on Traffic Jam each and every week in the trenches, so to speak, with the world's major corporations. Now, in the press, Neil's been called by the Wall Street Journal a top influencer on the web. Forbes say he's one of the 10 online marketers you should most follow. And get this, Entrepreneur Magazine say he's created one of the 100 most brilliant companies in the world. Now, that's a pretty darn impressive CV, to say the least. But what's way more impressive than the CV itself is the fact that Neil Patel is not even 30 years old. That's right. He was born April the 24th, 1985, which uh, I should mention just in case you want to send him a birthday card, of course, which give or take a day means that Neil Patel is almost five years to the day younger than me. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. This guy is good. I mean, seriously, what Neil's been able to achieve with just a few years out of high school is real, real impressive. And it's absolutely no surprise, therefore, that President Obama himself honoured Neil as one of the top 100 entrepreneurs under the age of 30. And I got to say, absolutely just deserved. I myself, I've been following Neil, I think at least a few years online now. And his quality of content, the regularity at which he puts this stuff out, with the consistency that he puts it out and with the brand values that he has makes him one of my real to follow guys. And I know you're going to want to follow the content he's going to share today on this interview. It's going to be highly impressive stuff, I know. So get a pen ready, perhaps get yourself a little bit more comfy than you are right now. Grab a drink and get ready to take some notes because I know you're going to take away a lot from this interview. But 
don't think that Neil's going to be the only spectacle today. He's not. We have, of course, got the regular segments. They're all coming up as they do each and every week. The one minute traffic tip, which is a bite sized traffic nugget that you can easily implement in your own business. That's coming up along with this week's news in traffic. And of course, I don't mean the congestion that's happening on your local highway. No, (laughs) I'm talking about all of the latest news, all of the updates out of all of the major traffic platforms, places like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, your ad networks, whatever's happening in the world of traffic in the past seven days, you'll get to hear about it. That's all coming up. But right here and right now, it's the feature interview and it's with, of course, Neil Patel. So what's up, listeners? This is Traffic Jam interview number 31. And joining me is Neil Patel from quicksprout.com, crazyegg.com, Kissmetrics, and a bunch of other places I'm sure you've all heard of. Neil, welcome to Traffic Jam. Thanks for having me. Well, it's awesome to have you on board. Of course, I've been doing my research, as I always do before these interviews. And uh, I had a read of your bio on your website. And one of the things that you state there that I'm going to open up with is that you were born with a gift. And that's being able to help websites get a ton of eyeballs on the web. Now, I wouldn't normally open up this question, but I'm going to because I think it's appropriate. What's your number one, your very best traffic getting eyeball grabbing strategy? Content marketing. It works very well. Write good content that people want to read and they'll love. More will come to your site and eventually some of those people will end up converting. Fab. Well, that's good. I think we'll run with this theme across the interview. But let me start actually by diving into SEO because that's a topic that I know is very close to your heart. You've got great success with it for yourself and for others. Now, on the side of that, you are, of course, as you've just said, a big advocate of content marketing and you're a prolific creator of content yourself. But uh, I also get the feel that you enjoy exploiting a few hacks that can kind of leverage a few quick wins. What shortcuts are there, if there are any in this sort of semantic era that can boost search results without putting the hundreds or thousands of hours required into content marketing? Yeah, there's a lot of things that can be done, right? If you're just trying to boost your search rankings, one simple thing is just look at the on-page SEO elements. A lot of people make mistakes with titles, headings, uh, making sure their code is clean, right? A lot of people have messy codes, not doing sitemaps and submitting them, not cross-linking between your pages, right? Mashable does a good job of this, which is why they rank so well. So it's a lot of those basic things that companies are are still messing up on, right? It may seem obvious, but it's usually the obvious things that everyone needs to work on a bit more. Yeah. I mean, even with your, you know, with the rankings as they are, if you can increase click through rate, right, as you said, by just optimizing your page titles better, which I guess is even more topical right now because of the way that Google have just changed the search result layout, right? I mean, the bigger fonts, there's probably less characters being shown. I'm sure that's a pretty quick and easy win. That's correct. You got it right. Cool. Well, you've gotten pretty good results with SEO, right? For people like TechCrunch. And I believe that I read on your blog that for your own site, quicksprout.com, you've managed to increase your visits by 
well, let me get this right, 173,336 to be precise per month. How have you managed to do that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm going to go with you on that number. I don't know <laughs> we will cross check, by the way. We will cross check. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So typically it's just, just through content marketing, writing better content, um, writing it on topics that people want to read, share, focusing on what's working in the social space, like on Twitter, or Facebook. But yeah, a combination of all that kind of stuff is what's causing the content to really boost. One thing that we've done that's really helped increase search traffic is, uh, what is it called? Long tail SEO. So what we'll end up doing is we'll see what posts are ranking and we'll use Google suggest to type in the keyword that they're ranking for and seeing other similar keywords, right? Cause Google suggests other popular phrases and we'll start integrating some of those keywords within our existing content when it's natural, right? We won't just keyword stuff. And that's also been helping us get a lot more search traffic. Yeah. I read this post, right? And I think the example that you used was, you were ranking quite well for, for motivational quotes, was it? And you just literally used... We use motivational and inspirational within there to rank for those as well. It's kind of funny, right? Google actually do give us all the clues if we're ready to go and look for them. I mean, they'll tell you what other variations might make good keywords to target. And it's all there in the plain search, you know, search platform. Don't have to look too far, right? That's correct. Awesome. Well, a couple of posts that I've seen that you published relatively recently was how to steal your competitors' Twitter followers and how to steal your competition's Facebook fans. Firstly, I've got to say, very cool headlines, simple, but certainly uh, eyeball grabbing. But secondly, very cool strategies that I'm sure Traffic Jam listeners would love to hear. Tell us about those two. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you can end up doing, right? From you know, see, uh, you can, so in the basic sense with Facebook, you can actually just create an ad campaign and target, let's say fans of, if I'm, you know, quick and I want to target HubSpot, I can target all their fans and just advertise just to them and try to see if I can get them to come over and like my page. Right. Uh, Twitter, there's a lot of free tools out there. They're depending on what you're trying to end up doing, but you can actually see who's engaging with your competitors, see who's on your competitors list. Um, and then from there, you can actually go and target a few of those guys, let's say the list, and see if you can actually get on those lists. Because if you're able to get on those lists, what you'll end up noticing is you'll instantly get a lot of traction, right? Because those lists already have followers. Yeah. It's just more so how can you get on there? Um, and it actually works quite well. For Twitter, if you're trying to end up doing this, one of the tools that I recommend using is Twitonomy. So T-W-I-T-O-N-O-M-Y. And that should help you quite a bit with finding out, you know, who's active in your competitors' profiles and stuff like that. Okay, cool. So that's Twitonomy. We'll make sure that's linked to within the show notes for this episode. So once we've established what those lists are, Neil, what strategies are there to actually get ourselves on those lists, if any? I try to go see who the list owner is. I try to interact with them, tweet at them, and then I'll direct message them you know, after a week or two, seeing if they can add me. Perfect. I love the simple answers. They're always the best. <laughs> yep. And then for Facebook, you can always use Fan Page Karma to see you know, who's active on your competitor profiles as well. So Nice. Well, again, I think for a little bit of a further explanation, we'll make sure that those two posts are, are linked off to in the show notes. Now, one thing that I've got to say, Neil, is you've got, from what I can see at, at quicksprout.com, especially as you've got an extremely engaged audience. I mean, 
I think if we look at those two posts that we were just talking about, both of them have got 150 plus comments, at least at the time of recording anyway. But for our listener out there who's perhaps got a dormant website that kind of feels a bit like a ghost town, which I'm sure many have, what advice have you got to increase you know, audience engagements to kind of get somewhere near to what you've been able to do? Yeah, the, the biggest thing to increase audience engagement is just ask a question at the end of your blog post and respond to every single person uh, that leaves a comment. Those two things help out quite a bit. Okay. So what sort of examples might you have of, of good questions to kind of end a post with? If your post is on stealing competitors' Facebook fans, you can end it with, so how else can you grow your Facebook fan page, right? Just related, something related to the title. Got it. Another thing I want to ask you a little bit about is infographics. I know Traffic Jam listeners will certainly be familiar with them because we've talked about them a lot on the show. And I think in terms of content, they're fantastically shareworthy content that's, of course, very easily spreadable. But infographics, kind of 1.0 version, a little bit of old hat now, right? Neil, you've got something different that you're doing with infographics, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I'm doing something quite a bit with infographics in which I'm just trying to explain complex data in visual format. And, you know, they seem to be spreading and it drives good traffic. So I like it. I don't try to make it too complex or anything like that. What's your process for, you know, getting topics and data for your infographics? Because I'm sure there's a fair amount of sort of researching to put one of those things together, right? Yeah, I just have someone who focuses on that and they just work on continually improving the, uh, what is it called, the data. So it's like I have a full-time person who just goes out there and finds data for me. Yeah, well, that would make sense. And who's actually producing them? I'm sure you're not doing the artwork and the graphics yourself, right? Oh, yeah, we have a full-time designer. She just cranks them out. So Yeah, good. And she really does crank them out. I mean, you're putting out a lot of those things, right? Yeah, one a week. Yeah, good work. Every Friday. <laughs> good stuff. I'd like to ask you a little bit about who else is creating content for your site. You mentioned that, of course, you've got this infographic creator and a researcher in-house. Are you doing everything else? Because you've got a lot of blogs, right? I mean, it's not just quicksprout.com. You've got active blogs on your other sites as well. Now, who's yeah, actually Quick putting all that stuff together? Quicksprout's the only one I manage myself. Uh, other people do the crazy again, Kissmetrics blog, so. Yeah. Okay. So what size of team have you got? I mean, there's got to be a pretty big sort of power engine behind all of this, right? Powering this thing along. A lot. I don't know all their names and I don't know everyone on the team, but we have a, just in general in the company, we have tons of employees, right? We had a, like, we have tons of job openings, probably like 15, 20. So. Wow. What advice would you have for someone who's you know, got a smaller business getting started with this stuff that would probably be the authority in their business and therefore the sort of person that should be driving the content. What advice would you have for them? What should they get started with and where should they get started? Yeah, it, it, the best place to get started is look at your competitors, look at their blogs, see what's working in the space and then go from there. Don't just start by saying, here's what we're going to do. It's more so First, analyze the space in the industry and see where gaps and voids you can fill and see what's working for other people. Cool. Now, strategy I see that you do quite a lot of, but many others shy away from because I guess it takes a lot of time and, and energy, and that's outreach. I think you do a lot of it from what I can see. Would you recommend that our listener starts to 
you know, sort of conduct outreach programs themselves? And if so, what advice have you got for them for doing it effectively? So um, if they're going to do outreach and they're going to do it themselves, the best thing I can end up saying is make sure with all the outreach, the overall goal is just uh, like being friendly, trying to help people. So most people do outreach, just continually pitch, and that's all they do. And sure, that's awesome, but outreach doesn't work that well when you're just pitching. You actually need to like help other people and provide them with advice and try to help them out. Well, I'd like to dig a little bit here, Neil, if I can. What examples can you give for us in terms of a you know a suitable way to identify places to outreach to and also what sort of lead-in might be effective that's not kind of pitching your wares? It's more so just figuring out what people need help with and then going from there. So um, the best strategy for outreach is look to see in your space who's uh, – not going to say competitive, but like see who is doing is open, like about posting, you know, other people's content or linking out or tweeting and start engaging with them. It's usually the friendly ones. Don't look for direct competitors. Yeah. So would you actually look for sites, for instance, that have regular guest posting and regular contributors? I mean, would that be a good place to start? Yes, I would. So like I look for blogs who except guest posters, even people from the industry and et cetera, right? I would not go and just hit up my competitor and be like, hey, can I blog on your blog? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to be met with the most amount of warmth, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, you can get someone to tell you to buzz off, so. And yeah, and that's the polite <laughs> response. <laughs> that's the, uh, yeah, that's the censored version. Exactly. Where else are you syndicating content to other than the outreach that you're doing, which you're, you're clearly doing quite a bit of? Where else are you creating content for or, or syndicating your content to? With me, uh, we'll work out deals like with Entrepreneur Magazine, they syndicate for us and a few other sources like that. So what we end up doing is just find out who's looking for more content. The way we get these deals is we just do manual outreach. We're like, hey, we noticed that you're looking for You guys publish a lot of content. Are you guys looking for more? Hey, we don't have time to write any content for you, but are you open in syndicating our existing content? Yeah. So what they're just picking it up and, and plugging it in with any adaptation or they're literally just taking it sort of off shelf version, putting it straight in there. You take the off the soft version. Good. Well, I think that's certainly in terms of what we looped back to at the start of the interview in terms of kind of some quick wins for content marketing, that would certainly be one, right? If you can leverage what you've already got and get that into the hands of more places, then it's uh, a certainly a way that you can leverage up a bit quicker. That's correct. Cool. Now I've been following you for a little while now and of course reading your content, but more importantly, kind of watching what you do. And the one thing that I've observed is you're extremely innovative and you seem to be ahead of the bell curve on many things. Gifographics would be one. Perhaps we can comment a little bit about that. The pop-up I see you using as well, this kind of choose your own journey, two-step pop-up. First time I saw that was, was certainly on your site. As someone who seems to be kind of hot on new innovations, what do you think is kind of coming up next? You know, what are the emerging channels, if you like, that our listeners should be looking out for? I really still think it's Facebook and Twitter. Not enough companies are leveraging them and the ads on those channels are dirt cheap. Yeah. You're doing a lot of stuff with Twitter? 
I am Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, right? A lot of people looking for new channels that no one's tapped, but at the end of the day, a lot of times it's the channels that everyone knows about that no one's using, right? Yeah. So what are you doing differently with these two, if anything, or are you just working them harder than others? Just working them harder, being smart on the ads. We're testing them a lot versus just setting them up and letting them sit. Uh, we're also testing out quite a bit of video ads on YouTube, right? So we're doing a bit of everything. Nice. Okay. Cool stuff. Well, just before we kind of get towards the the close, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about these GIFO graphics because when we or when I saw you, should I say, at uh, a traffic and conversion event, you were kind of leaving a few little hints about what you've been doing with them and the results that you've been getting. Let's talk specifically about these kind of animated GIFO graphics you've uh, you've been getting a hold of. Yeah. So I've been creating. I believe like sometimes with complex data, sometimes it's easier to explain it in through stories. So making it more animated, visual, right? So taking infographics at the next level. And it seems to be working quite well in which, you know, just showing the data in a visual format that is animated and the animation helps explain the story seems to be converting quite well, right? People are sharing it, um, embedding it on their site. It's doing quite well. Yeah, well, I guess it's, you know, it's new, it's different. I guess when people stumble upon your GIFO graphics on your site, perhaps they've not encountered something similar before. So it's certainly got that appeal that would be more interesting and, and worthy of sharing, I guess. Um, I think they look stunning. The, the one I saw with the, was it a leopard running, was, was very cool. It's certainly eye-catching and, and presented the information very well. Exactly right. I think they're great. And I think in the long run, they'll do exceptionally well, so... Yeah. Well, I'm sure as we link off to these in the show notes of this episode and some of the Traffic Jam listeners get a hold of it, I'm sure you'll start to see a few more pop up there on the interwebs. <laughs> Just keep your eyes peeled for those. So, Neil, I think we'll, you know, we've we've gone through very quick. We've covered a lot of what I wanted to with you and you've been extremely generous with your expertise. But before we wrap up, what sort of parting advice have you got for our listeners that you really think you know, is relevant to anyone wanting to build traffic to their own website. Don't look for the quick and easy route. A lot of people are just like, oh, how do I get more traffic tomorrow? Look for the tactics that are long-term, uh, provide a lot of value, are very educational. Yeah, well, that's certainly in line with what we teach here each and every week on Traffic Jam. So I'm, I'm glad that that was the answer that you gave, Neil. Um, just as we wrap up, where should our listeners connect with you further? Uh, just quicksprout.com, Q-U-I-C-K-S-P-R-O-U-T.com. Fantastic. So there you go, Traffic Jam listeners. Head on over to quicksprout.com for, for more of what Neil's got to talk about. It's a blog that I follow, and uh, I certainly recommend you do the same. So uh, please head on over. Neil, thanks once again for coming on Traffic Jam. I've certainly enjoyed it today, and appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. This week's news in traffic. Right, so I'm starting this week with a story out of Facebook, originally reported on marketingland.com. So thank you to the good old people over at Marketingland. And they've reported on a test that Facebook are running for a business manager, which is essentially a tool for agencies and large businesses to use to manage multiple Facebook advertising accounts within one fascia. 
So I guess this is really a little bit like the MCC accounts that Google have, that my client centers, that uh, agencies like myself use to manage multiple Google AdWords accounts from within one place. So this fascia, this dashboard, it has all of the things that you'd expect to find in a product like this. You can manage campaigns, reporting, billing, account permissions, and of course, assign account permissions to different people within your business from manager level to admin level and give people different rights to do different things within the account. So all of the stuff you'd expect there. I think the nice thing, especially from a usability standpoint, is that it allows you to add access to people who you're not necessarily friends with on Facebook. So those disgruntled employees who don't want to make friends with their team members at work, this will allow you to do that. So always an upside. Um, I think it's going to be well received by agencies. If you want to go check this out because you are an agency, there'll be a link off to a further story about this within the episode notes of this episode of Traffic Jam. In my second story, well, it's been proven that tweets that have either a photo or a video URL tend to lead to the biggest increase in retweets from verified accounts on Twitter. Now, that's the key takeaway from a Twitter study out this week that analyzed more than 2 million tweets sent out in the space of about one month from verified accounts related either to TV, news, radio, government or sports. That's what Twitter is telling us. And the study analysed in depth what they describe as being the real hard attributes of a tweet. Those being things like photos, hashtags, links, videos and also tweets containing either a number or a digit. And that would be something like a sports score or an official stat. And overall, Twitter study found that tweets with photos and videos produced the biggest jump in retweets, 35% for photos and 28% for videos. So the takeaway here is, and honestly, there's no real big surprise, it's that visual content outperforms text in almost every scenario. It's why so many Traffic Jam episodes have been focused around the topic of visually prominent marketing, be it the discussions we've had around Pinterest, video, be it the discussion I had today with Neil all about infographics. You absolutely need to be using engaging imagery in your marketing. Now, in my final story for today, we go to TechCrunch and TechCrunch have reported on a story that Yahoo have partnered up with Yelp to bring local data from Yelp into Yahoo's search tools. Now, the deal will see traditional Yelp information that we're pretty familiar with, such as things like ratings and user photos, piped right into Yahoo search. Now, really Put another way, this means that Yahoo search is becoming increasingly flavoured with third party data and not just their own. Now, really, Yahoo is no longer a company that's really 
really well known for its search products. It's long ago seeded its search technology to Microsoft, but the company still does have a reasonably large command of the search query markets. So this is probably just an effort to regain some of that or at least kind of consolidate the level of market that they currently have. Now, is this type of deal anything new? Well, no, the company that they sold its search technology to, that's Microsoft, announced a very similar deal with Yelp about two years ago. So it seems to be very much a repeat of, of that type of deal. Anything that we need to do to adapt as marketers? Well, no, not really. This is very much a case, I think, of business as usual. The one minute traffic tip. Okay, so this tip, it's gonna be for you if you've got a Facebook page, which I'm guessing is quite a few of you, and you're freaking frustrated because less than 10% of your fans are ever getting your updates anymore. Now I can assure you when you apply this tip, not only will you get super high visibility, but you'll also not need to spend the 20, 50, or even 100 bucks or more Facebook recommend to boost your post. So here's how it works. Inside the Power Editor, set up a campaign to continually run from this day forward, always promoting your most recent post as a promoted post in the newsfeed. Select the countries you want to target and then set the campaign to only show to people who have already liked your page. Each time then that you create a new post on your page, Facebook will automatically submit it for review and then if it's approved, it will replace the prior post that appeared as an ad and show the new post as an ad in people's news feeds. Now doing it this way, your entire budget, and I recommend, wait for it, as little as two to five dollars per day, it will all be spent on getting your posts in front of your fans. This is a ridiculously cheap strategy and an extremely effective way of sidestepping Facebook's horrible edge rank and boosting your engagement. So that almost draws episode number 31 of Traffic Jam to a close. But just before we close out, I want to say thank you to you, you out there, the listener, for taking the time that you do out of your day to listen into Traffic Jam. I really, really do hope that in return, I'm managing to deliver some value that you can apply to your own business to increase your traffic and grow a profitable audience online. That's the aim of Traffic Jam. Now, remember, you can head on over to verabo.com and find all of the episode and show notes for this episode and all the others of Traffic Jam, along with a host of other traffic tips and training. So head on over there. It's verabo.com, V-E-R-A-V-O.com. And as always, we're going to close out this episode with another musical jam. So here it is. The track is called Scaramouche, which is in fact our intro track for Traffic Jam. So at last you get to hear the full length version. And big shout out to Paul Thomas. He's the wonderfully talented DJ and producer who produced this piece of music and other tracks that we use here on Traffic Jam. So big shout out to Paul, very good friend of mine. If you want to check out what he's doing, go to DJ Paul Thomas. Anyway, that's it for Traffic Jam and I'll see you back here in about seven days from now. See you then.
You've been listening to the Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website, trafficjamcast.com.